Welcome to another Tyrius Cast. I'm Kevin Crewell. And I'm Jim McGregor. And then today we're going to discuss the recent announcement that TSMC plans to build its first fab in the U.S., in Arizona, no less. In addition, just about the same time, the U.S. government has issued sanctions on Huawei to stop the sale of chips from any U.S. company to Huawei. Then there's also a report that TSMC has stopped taking chip orders from High Silicon, which is the chip design arm of Huawei. Jim's been looking at this and has some opinions on it. Can you elaborate, Jim, or what do you think is going on here? Yeah, first off, the or- the actual order by the U.S. government includes both Huawei and ZTE. Both companies have faced a backlash from the U.S. government over the past year or so. Actually, the last couple of years. Um, however, both companies seem to survive and in some cases even thrive despite some of those sanctions placed on them. The new order from the U.S. government is kind of like an embargo where basically... Western companies or anybody that you know is kind of associated with the U.S. and or its allies are not allowed to sell chips and or semiconductor manufacturing equipment to these companies without a license. So basically approval of the U.S. government. And yeah, that, that's very wide reaching. TSMC has basically halted all new orders of chips from high silicon which accounts for about 14 percent of the company's annual revenue so that's huge not to mention all the other chips that would normally go to zte and huawei so this this is a big thing where basically the u.s has kind of declared war on huawei and zte kind of you know in response not only to what those companies have done in terms of violating some terms like selling technology to sanctioned countries like Iran, but also because of some of its protectionary policies, like requiring foreign companies to form joint ventures and hand over or share their IP with Chinese companies. So a lot of this, you know, even though it looks like it's intended just for Huawei and ZTE, it's really a backlash in many cases against the Chinese Chinese policies over the past several decades. So the U.S. government is using Huawei and ZTE as a proxy for other Chinese policies. So do you think China is going to retaliate? I mean, they're, they're, they are talking about a, a list of unapproved vendors or uncooperative un- vendors, right? That might include Apple, might include Qualcomm. So there's there could be a backlash soon. Oh, I think there will be a backlash. I mean, even the during the Huawei Analyst Summit, the CEO came out and said that, listen, this is going to have a material impact on our company. There's no doubt that there's going to be a huge impact. Not to mention, you know, China as a country has really pushed to become technology independent and also all of a sudden being cut off, not just in terms of chips, but also in terms of semiconductor equipment, in terms of software, in terms of just about every type of technology that's going to advance them. That is a tremendous hit. I have companies right now are really scared to even say anything about it because they know a backlash is coming. They just don't want to be part of it. Yeah, it's going to be tough. There's so much technology that's tied in, you know, Huawei's phone business. You have Android, you have chips that are either made by TSMC one way or the other, whether it's a high silicon chip or it's a Qualcomm chip. So, it's really hard to pry that stuff out of Huawei and not 
hurt the company severely. Well, and it's also going to hurt the industry. And this is what I'm really concerned about. The fact that companies around the world work together on standards. I mean, a good example is 5G. That is the first cellular generation where there was one proposal, not multiple ones, and one standard going forward because all these companies from all around the world work together on a single standard, especially companies like Qualcomm, Huawei, InterDigital, Ericsson, you name it. I mean, all around the world. This is basically kind of creating a wall very much like the Cold War for technology between China and the U.S., and that's not good for the industry. I, d- I don't disagree that, you know, some of the Chinese policies have been very protectionistic and or protectionism, and that the U.S. is kind of, you know, this is kind of a backlash against that. I'm just not sure if it's the right way, and I know no matter what that this is going to have, this is going to have an impact, on negative impact on the industry. Just about the same time this announcement was going on, it was just prior to that, TSMC announced that they were going to build a fab in the U.S., and it had been leaked uh, initially, and then there's rumors that both Arizona and the U.S. government have chipped in some money for this. But it was just about the same time as this Huawei announcement was made by the U.S. government. So it's they're coincidental in terms of timing. Do you think they're connected? In some ways, yes, I do think. I mean, obviously, TSMC is going to feel the brunt of some of this embargo against these Chinese companies. And I'm sure the U.S. is trying to, you know, at least help TSMC out as well as help Taiwan out. So I think there's politics there. But there's also politics within the industry. I know that companies throughout the industry were also consulted on this. I mean, TSMC wasn't the only option to build a state-of-the-art foundry here in the U.S. You've got state-of-the-art fabs from Intel. You've got Global Foundries. You've got Samsung, all here manufacturing in the U.S. So why not them? Well, you know, first off, Global Foundries made a strategy shift last year that said we're not going to be on the leading edge. So that kind of took them out of contention. Samsung is there, but... But if you looked between TSMC and Samsung, TSMC has a much broader base. So they manufacture for a lot of these other companies that are deemed critical to U.S. competitiveness, that are deemed critical to government projects as well as military projects. So I think TSMC, because they're already manufacturing all of these parts, was kind of the natural partner. Now, Intel also stepped up and said, hey, we'll build a fab or we'll provide foundry services. The problem is Intel hasn't had a lot of success in foundry services. One, because uh, they it's, it's a challenge to go from being an IDM to being a foundry. You have to be willing to change your process for every run that goes through, and you have to have standard tools and terminology for the processes. And Intel hasn't really adopted all of those yet. Even Global Foundries, when they spun out, it was very, it took several years before they were really understood what it took to be a foundry. I would also make the point that Intel doesn't have a customer base outside of Intel, whereas TSMC has an extensive customer base out of it. So if you're looking at a company that's already engaged with the industry on foundry services, that would be TSMC. Now, as you mentioned, Samsung was an alternative. Samsung already has a fab in Texas. So TSMC is the only outstanding foundry company that doesn't have a fab in the U.S. And I think that was another factor of why TSMC was the critical vendor to get 
to build the, the fab here because now we have all the major foundry companies with a fab in the U.S. if this goes through, of course. Yeah, and I've also heard people say, well, why Arizona? Well, there, there's a couple of key locations that, uh, although there's f- semiconductor fabs sprinkled throughout the U.S., there's only really a couple of locations that have really state-of-the-art fabs, and that's Oregon, Arizona, Texas, and yeah, pretty much that. There's some still in California, obviously, as well. But it's been really pushed by companies like Intel and, oh, and New York, Intel, Global Foundries, and uh, Samsung. So you kind of want to build on the infrastructure that's been built on those fabs. Not to mention, you have to remember that a fab is a, especially a new fab, is a uh, is a huge, huge investment. I mean, they talk about a fab costing you know a couple billion dollars. Well, a new facility to house one or multiple fabs can cost ten billion or more, and you have to have you know the infrastructure in terms of chemical supplies, water reliable power you have to have reclamation services you have to have all these different things not to mention you want to have skill high skilled labor either from other companies and or from university systems arizona though also stands out for one other small reason we don't have any natural disasters here (laughs) and we have plenty of land Yeah, you have plenty of flat land without earthquakes, tsunamis, volcanoes, typhoons. Pretty boring, isn't it? Yeah, but you're building (laughs) basically wafers out of sand, and what better place than a desert, right? (laughs) I guess. So it's like farm to table, sand to to wafers, uh, right right in Arizona. Almost. (laughs) But no, it, it does make sense, and... You know, there there's still some concern though. Is is all this just political? Will we still see it if you know there's a change in the administration going forward? You know, it's a good question. Nobody really knows. Well, that's, that's true. It's hard. It's hard to say what's going to happen if there's an administration change, or even whether the administration changes its mind. But certainly, I don't think anybody would argue that having a TSMC foundry in the United States is something that everybody wants to happen. I think it's the DOD wants it to happen. I think their customer base like to, would like to see a little more diversity in terms of geolocations of fabs. Everything TSMC, all the major fabs from TSMC are in either uh, Taiwan and they have a few in China, but nothing outside of those regions. And having one here in the United States would certainly give them a little more uh, diversity in terms of geography. And you got to remember, Taiwan is on the ring of fire. So there's Earth is earthquakes on uh, a regular basis, and then you also get typhoons in Taiwan. So, and then there's geopolitics. I mean, Taiwan is still considered a breakaway province from China. So, China does always put a little pressure on Taiwan on, on occasion from uh, from that point of view as well. So, it's good to have one of the uh, TSMC fabs here in the United States. Yeah, I think it would benefit both TSMC as well as its customer base. Not to mention the U.S. I mean, the huge investment, when you put in a fab, you know, there's huge competition for fabs and there's always a backlash of giving tax incentives and funds and everything else to build a fab. But the reason is, is once you put a fab in place, you know, you're guaranteed manufacturing that fab almost 24-7 for at least a decade, if not more, because it is such a huge investment. So it is highly competitive in trying to lure fabs into locations and... 
you know, I have no doubt that the Arizona threw some incentives in there. And I wouldn't be surprised if the U.S. government did, because obviously there were some federal politics that went into this. But it would be good for the local economy. It'd be good for the U.S. economy. I, I really just hope it doesn't turn into another Foxconn, uh, you know, LCD panel thing. But I don't believe TSMC would follow down that path. There's, like I said, there's very good reasons for TSMC to build this fab. It's a little on the small side. And I, I know your contention is that this could be just a, the start, you know, to get your first footprint and then it would grow from here. But it'd be nice if TSMC would make a, a firmer commitment to growing the fab after the, after the initial one is built. Well, it kind of sounds like the announcement slipped out <laughs> before anybody wanted to because somebody leaked it from a meeting at TSMC. So I, I think we'll hear more about it and we'll probably hear more about the incentives going forward. But you're right, the, the, the timing with the Huawei announcement or the Huawei ZT announcement was rather ominous. Yeah, but hopefully the what happens with Huawei stays in Huawei. Oh, sorry, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> That's Las Vegas. You missing CES already? What happens in China stays in China? No, no, it doesn't. No, we, we, we learned that from COVID-19. That's not true. <laughs> oh. But yeah. Ooh. Okay, let's, 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 we're getting too deep down a rabbit hole here. <laughs> uh, you do have an ed- upturning editorial in EE Times on this very topic, so uh, yeah. look forward to that. So yeah, if you want to see more, just reference that uh, article that's coming up in EE Times. So with that, I think it's time we're going to bring this relatively short Tyrius cast to an end. And so please remember that Tyrius Research, we're a market research and advisory firm, provides custom research and advice to the entire high-tech ecosystem from sensors to the cloud. This includes custom market sizing, product and company competitive analysis, M&A evaluations, product and corporate strategic planning, and marketing strategies. If you'd like more about Tyrius Research or inquire about our services, please contact us directly at kevin at tyriusresearch.com or jim at tyriusresearch.com. That's T-I-R-I-A-S research.com. You can also visit our website, our new website at www.tyriusresearch.com and keep up with us on social media. That's at Tyrius Research at Crewell, K-R-E-W-E-L-L for Kevin Crewell, and at Tech Strategist, that's T-E-K Strategist for myself, Jim McGregor. Also look for our articles and podcasts on Forbes, EE Times, and ECT News. We also have white papers posted on our website, and we also have a regular monthly newsletter. There's links on our website, and you can subscribe directly through the website to the newsletter. That covers basically any topics that we're doing research on or other information. So it's kind of a summary and a wrap-up of some of the key things that are going on in the industry every month. So also note, our new tierist casts are not only on SoundCloud, but they're actually all also on Spotify and now iTunes for the Apple fans. So thank you for joining us. If you have any feedback on this Tyrius cast or recommendations for future Tyrius casts, please contact us directly. So I'm going to repeat that one more time. Kevin at TyriusResearch.com or Jim at TyriusResearch.com. So thank you for listening and have a great day. <laughs>